For example, like that's when we first discovered that worship was not something five acts of worship that you did on Sunday morning. It was all of life in response to God. So that was a very uh, spiritually growing time for us. So they were, we were there two years, and then if I get things mixed up, let me know. Okay, you're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's very progressive. I mean, okay, and then we went back to. Then we went to South Carolina for him to go to graduate school. And so he went to graduate school at USC. Um, we were pregnant with that one, Kristen. <laughs> so she was our first. So after graduate school, we, we, we were part of a church in Lexington that we really liked. It was progressive too, so we just decided to stay and live there. And uh, so he got a job in cardiac physiology. And uh, I don't know how it was, a couple of years, I was trying to remember all the dates, two, three years, something like that, when he had the, you were in the National Guard, South yeah. Carolina National Guard at that time. So I, I was, got out of the military entirely, um, but then got, after I graduated from graduate school, I got into the South Carolina Army National Guard. Right. And then after working, I don't know, <laughs> two, three years in cardiac rehab, he, um, he was, had the opportunity to go to PA school through the military. So then, on a leap of faith, <laughs> we went to San Antonio, Texas for one year for the coursework. And that was another major <coughs> highlight in our spiritual Can life. I interject here yeah. when she says leap of faith? If you're married, you know that as a husband, you rarely get the thumbs up with your crazy ideas. And that was Trish. She used to put the brakes on my whole life. You know, I had this person that could keep putting the brakes on to my crazy ideas. I told her, I'm in the infantry now, but I have this opportunity to go to PA school. We're going to put our house for rent. We're going to go out to San Antonio, Texas. It's a two-year program. After I'm done, I'll have a brand new career, come back to South Carolina, you know, after I graduate. I didn't expect the but when you talk about a woman with, with, with guts and bravery and somebody that would support me in that effort, this Trish Kirby, she's like, okay. Yeah, we had our son by then, too. So he was in kindergarten when we went to San Antonio. <coughs> Three of us had a great time. <laughs> I studied all the time. He studied. We'd go on the uh, river walk, and he'd be sitting there studying with his little book, and we'd be enjoying the sights of the restaurants and all that. We did. We had a great time. So that was one year, and for his second year of PA school, he had to do his clinicals, and we were fortunate enough to go back to South Carolina. USC? Well, it was through the the, well, the Fort Jackson right. oh, yeah, medical Jackson. rotations so, through Fort Jackson. So we pretty much so we did that, and then he was able to get a job in family practice. And we were in South Carolina for 30-some years until we moved here. And we moved here because our daughter lived here. <laughs> you can take over. Okay. <laughs> what, what also, you know, it's important to go back to 
our church and the way we thought about things and the way we thought about God. And I needed, and I'll, I'll show you a picture in a minute, but I needed structure. I needed to understand what belief was. And I was in a very conservative church in the Belfort Road Church of Christ in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. I was in the Marine Corps where I got saved. Uh, very conservative, down the line, you know, almost dogmatic, um, predominantly black uh, church. Who I was one of three white people in the entire church, which is important to my story as well. Um, and, 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 and that goes back to, to hold on. When you talk about our um, diversity as a family, Trish was in Emory University as a social worker, and um, she had a very diverse team there, too. So our kids don't have a prejudice bone in their body. They, they just they don't, and that, that's part of our story. Um, but when we started looking at churches in Abilene, and you know you're dutifully supposed to go to everybody's church. You know everybody on her staff. Went, well, you got to come to our church. You got to go to university. You gotta... We went one time to Highland, and Lynn Anderson was preaching this. What are you talking about? There's no five acts of worship. What are you talking about? Those words don't even mean a corporate assembly. I mean, we went one time, I think, with another, and then we just like we had to go back there and hear what he was saying. Because it was almost, it was borderline heresy at the time. <laughs> and we wound up in those kinds of things all through our lives. That we would wind up in Otter Creek, obviously, for, for, that, for that reason. Um, you know, not that that background is, is not important. Well, I forgot to mention, too, our, uh -oh. our, our uh, years in Lexington. Uh, we, Jeff served as a deacon with the youth. Uh, he then became an elder. We, I was leader of the women's ministry for many years. Uh, so we were quite involved in all those years in Lexington, too. I think we're going to start off with this picture. Trish and I before a deployment. I think that was Kuwait. And we were always, we were found in a restaurant. Maybe that was Afghanistan, but go to side slide sort of view, but not slide, no. Go to uh, projector view. Uh, the screen there, right to the right. On the corner. Keep going. On the hands. Tap that. <coughs> There you go. Tap that. Now what? Then you push the right arrow or left arrow? Well, now how do I get back to the beginning? <laughs> left, left arrow, left arrow, left arrow. Left arrow. What? Left arrow. Ah. It made it bigger. Well, it made it bigger, but I don't know what I'm doing now. <laughs> Sorry. You might have to stay up here. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Let's try again. I don't know how to get to reverse. Well, I'm sorry, Jeff. We gotta we gotta fix this. There we go, wait a minute. 
There we go. All right. There we go. All right. So we're, I think I know how to do it. All right. Anyway, when you Google the words military spouse, when you Google, try this. You Google the words military spouse, the words Trish Kirby will come up. So, I have something for you. Okay, Trish Kirby. Yes. Certificate appreciation. To all who shall see these presents greeting, this is to certify that Patricia Lynn Kirby, on the occasion of the retirement of your spouse, uncle um, Sir Crime, from the United States Army, has earned grateful appreciation for your own unselfish, faithful, and devoted service. Your unfailing support and understanding helped to make possible your spouse's lasting contribution to the nation. Mm -hmm. wow. So the U.S. Army recognize the U.S. Army recognizes what I just said. Um, But how, how do I even? Well, could speak, could Trish tap the space bar? Let's try that. The space bar? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay, she can do that. I'm just going to, yeah, go ahead. Wait. Yeah, you can do the space bar. All right, but not yet. That's, so t uh, back to what we're, um, so, my sister's back there. Wave, Jennifer. Um, my daughter's back there, and my uh, son-in-law's back there, Clint. I told Clint, I told Clint's friends at his church on Friday night, um, where there was like this huge men's gathering. I said, um, next to me and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and me in that order. Maybe we should put it that way. <laughs> You are the best thing that has happened to my daughter. Aww. So this is a pre-deployment ceremony at Camp Shelby, Mississippi, before I went to Afghanistan. Space bar. <laughs> and what the contrast is this: my mom and and some kids are in there, and my wife were in that previous picture. There's a mom and some kids in Afghanistan. So, not to get political, but by the way, that's what we left there. Anyway, space bar. <laughs> We're on it. This is the pre-deployment ceremony with young kids. There's my son. We were all young. That was prior to uh, going off to Afghanistan. Whoa, there's my sister. More people. <laughs> this is at Williams Bryce Stadium. The whole brigade from South Carolina went, so it was a big deal for South Carolina. It was, you know. Oh! Check that outfit out. Man, young, young <laughs> officer. Oh! We are. All right, stop there. William and Della Jones. 1981, 
Uh, William kept banging on my door wanting to study the Bible with me, and I said, go away. He finally said he shook the dust off my feet, off his feet, and said, I was done with you. And he was at somebody else's room, and I called him back in, and I was like, what were you trying to tell me? So anyway, we studied the Bible together, he baptized me. So William Delaware Jones, and that was in Jacksonville, North Carolina, 19, December 5th, 1981. So I always know that, because my, my, my uh, sister's birthday is December 6th. Um, one of the greatest days in my life being handed the brigade flag for the Southeast Mars G. Um, there was some friends there, one shaking their head. Thank you for being there, Nadine. That's it? Is that it? No. We went, how do you go backwards? Oh, no, okay, more. I don't know why that's in there. My last mission was in Africa. Combined Joint Task Force, Horn of Africa, that's what that stands for. Um, I was there la about this time last year. And how long were you there? I was there for six and a half months, and then the rest of the time, we were at Fort Bliss. And then Trish came out to spend Christmas with me at Fort Bliss, and this is after the, not candlelight ceremony, because we have, you know, to be safe on Fort Bliss, but we, chemlight ceremony. <laughs> we'll try that here sometime. Command Sergeant Major Baldwin, battle buddy, friend. Yeah. And that's, well, that's, good. that's, that's prior to a different deployment. <laughs> that's prior to the last deployment. So it started with the, the photograph that my daughter takes. Then you can just leave that one, I think. What's, yeah, you just leave that one. But my daughter takes a picture pre-deployment for, for, in a restaurant. It just kind of had to be that way. Um, we want to just leave time for questions, but when you said what it's like to be the home fires burning, first of all, Miss Trish doesn't sit home and pine away. I didn't think so. <laughs> I mean, when I called from Afghanistan, she's at Disney World. <laughs> she's at her friend. She's like, let's go, you know. <clears throat> um... When it comes to how she supported my military career, it's obvious. There's some funny stories. There was one time I was packing up my stuff for Fort Stewart in August. You know how hot it is, Fort Stewart in August, to spend 10 days out there in the woods? So I'm, we've got a utility building in the backyard, and I'm getting my stuff out of there. And Gracie, our dog, is going in and out of the house. And she doesn't like luggage at all, so she's just like following me in and out of the house. And... I go back in the house and close the door. And Trisha's like, well, where's Gracie? I said, well, I think she's in the backyard. Well, let her in. It's hot out there. <laughs> <laughs> so the dog is getting out of being air conditioning, but I'm going to spend 12 days. <laughs> Got it. Let the dog in. <laughs> Yeah, very important as far as, um, I'm always done with you, you're trying to get me off the subject. I'll say one more thing about Miss Trish and the home fire. In Afghanistan, she dug 87 holes. At least 80. 87 holes in our yard to put plants in. It was a new house. Landscaped the entire, 
herself. And then we bought the bold. We bought a rock too. Oh, we bought, bought an 800 pound sandstone while I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and had it maneuvered into the yard. <laughs> so you know, yeah, she doesn't sit home and find a way. Um, but when we were in Afghanistan, one of the important things to understand is that the the entire church was involved. Our our mission in Afghanistan was, I mean, I've got more time. You want me to tell you some other time. But when you look at what you saw recently on the news, the backdrop to that is 20 years of supporting that country with humanitarian things. We built roads. We built schools. We helped hospitals. We helped 12, 12 um, civilian medical activities, my battalion, you did out in the villages of Afghanistan to take care of people. I worked at Cure Hospital. I went I went undercover and worked at Cure Hospital in downtown Kabul for three days. I, I was I, I met I met the, the, the Christians in Kabul that I met them and, and that, that were recently some of them were martyred. But I was writing back home the whole time. My sister was um, she, she owned a curves business, a warehouse facility. She started collecting infant formula. She had a Christmas tree. She had a pile of infant formula that people would come in and work out, and here's the infant, infant formula for Afghanistan. So she's collecting that in Florida. My wife is collecting Advil and cough medicine and things for kids and different things that we were doing. Uh, my friend who's a doctor, I, I found out that the hospital, I, I got hooked up with a local hospital there that we were trying to help in Sharana, Afghanistan. And there was a good hospital, but they were giving out inferior antibiotics from Pakistan and kids were dying of pneumonia because they weren't getting, they were getting sterile water and they weren't getting rosefin. So I, I called Steve and asked Steve, what can, so Steve ships me rosefin, antibiotics, like cases of it ships it, you know, and I hand it to the local hospital. And and all the time, through my interpreter, I was telling the chief of the hospital, the chief of staff, I said, I want you to go in there. This next time we go, I want you to say these are from people in the United States that love the Lord Jesus Christ and love you. And, and, and my, my Afghan interpreter, who I had studied the Bible with, and Ari was starting to, come, starting to become a believer, he, he interpreted it word for word to the chief of staff of Sharana Hospital in a Muslim country. And he said, I, I thank you and I accept, this, I accept these gifts in his name. That's what the chief of staff said to me. Um, but as far as the church goes, there was always that there was a group of elders from our church that was praying every single Tuesday night from the Lexington Church of Christ that would meet at the building and, and pray every Tuesday night. Um, when I left, that chief of staff gave me a flag and said, here, I want you to bring this to your American church. Those are all... Is that what you were... Yeah. Jeff, could you tell us about your spiritual experience in Afghanistan? How were you fed spiritually? Prior to, I, you know, you always say that you get the concept of God f 
from how you relate to your own earthly father. And it was kind of a relationship where I felt the need to perform for God. Like I wanted him in the stands. Afghanistan turned that around to where I couldn't have him in the stands. I was overwhelmed with responsibility instantly. I went to Sharana. I got shipped from... I went as a physician assistant to be the senior PA and the only provider in a 150-mile area uh, radius where there's no other doctor, no other team for 150 miles in Afghanistan. I had myself and four Air Force medics and one Navy medic. And six hours after I got there, we had a helicopter full of patients. There were civilians blown up in a bazaar. And I'm like, I need God right here. And he took over. He, he absolutely took over. And the things that I was able to do in his name were amazing. I mean, I just felt his presence like never before. I needed him like hand to be my hands and feet. Like I, so, some of the stuff I did, and Don back there can relate to this. I mean, some of the stuff I did, I did in medical school, but then when you have to actually have to stick a needle in somebody's chest and deflate a tension pneumothorax, I'm like, I guess we did it right. He's breathing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, did you have the freedom to have a church experience? Yeah, I did. We, we had worship services on our little post. Um, we were inside, our base was inside the Afghan army base. And outside this, and just outside the gate was the town of Sharana. So we heard, um, we heard the, the call to prayer go off five times a day. So I'm like, that sounds like a pretty good idea. There's nothing wrong with that. So I prayed five times a day. I probably should keep that up. Um, there was other believers there. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I was very close with the chaplains. But I just, I just felt like I could probably write a book that how to be a missionary for God and let the U.S. Army pay for it. Um, because I, I was, my Afghan interpreter saw something different in me, that they thought because I'm American, you're Christian. You know, and they thought the soldiers, because they're American, they're Christian, just like because they're Afghanistan, they're Muslim. But they said, you, you kind of take this seriously. We want to know. And so they asked me to study the Bible with them. Now, I'm not allowed to proselyte. I'm not allowed to make that offer to them. But if they ask me about my faith, I'm allowed to sit down and study the Bible with them. But I said, you know, this could get us killed. You killed for sure. If anybody who's Taliban finds out that you're studying the Bible with a U.S. officer, no, we want to know. You, eh. you tell about your visit to the church. To the underground church. Yeah, when I was... I didn't tell Trish this, but I spent three days... We had these civilian medical activities, and... Cure Hospital, which is an NGO Christian organization, you might be familiar with it, but they had a hospital downtown Kabul. And some of those doctors, American doctors, there was incredible. There's a surgeon that's from Chicago 
that would go three months out of the year, every year, to Cure Hospital and train Afghan doctors. He would use the nine months of income that he got from being a surgeon in Chicago and spend that money to go to Afghanistan. So I got the, when, when Jim Klein, who was the director of the hospital, I got to know him, and I know him as a Christian, uh, met him several times because they would show up at our civilian medical activities and say if there's anybody seriously critically that needed surgery or whatever, we would send them to Cure Hospital. But he said, you know, you ought to come out there for, for, and visit us for, for, for a couple of days. And, and I said, Jim, I can't go out there in a big Humvee and a caravan and big footprint. Taliban knows, hey, something's going on there. I'll, I'll see what I could do. Well, my battalion commander is crazy as I am. And I had him at breakfast one morning. And I said, sir, I, here's what I want to do. I want to go, I didn't tell Trish any of this. <laughs> I want to go in civilian clothes. I'm going to go out the front gate. I'm going to get in a van. Jim's going to drive me to Cure Hospital. I'm going to spend three days there and work in the clinic and come back. And he's like, okay, well, be careful. <laughs> so I got out the front gate. I'm, not, I'm probably the first and only American Army major physician assistant that's gone underground, gone out the front gate of Camp Phoenix <coughs> in civilian clothes and gone to work at Cure Hospital for three days. But then, as part of that, we saw the underground church that he was a part of and visited some of the people that would go and visit there. And the building was plain brick building. Um, they actually did the sign of the fish in the sand to know if you were a fellow like-minded. They didn't say Baptist. They didn't say Church of Christ. They didn't say Methodist. Are you a fellow like-minded? And then you would know, hey, you're a believer, and they would have different meeting times. Like, you didn't meet every Sunday at 10. They would have a white erase board in the back, and it's like, okay, the next time we're meeting is... Friday at four, because they didn't want to get the foot, you know, the Taliban to be aware of the, what they were doing. Um, but after I got back from that, that's when I told Trish what I was doing. <laughs> there was one time that a mortar hit the compound next to us while she was on the phone, and I had told her all these stories about the, there's Polish guys, Romanian guys, and Americans on this base, and we're all crazy only 110 of us, but the Polish guys would go out the front gate. They were the detonation guys, and they would go and blow up caches of weapons and go out the front gate and blow stuff up and not tell the rest of us. <laughs> so I told Tris that story already, so I'm on the phone, and she said, what's that? And I said, oh, it's probably those Polish guys that are blowing stuff up, but uh, I gotta go. How about your spiritual experience in Djibouti, Africa? I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing about that, and it, 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 and it, and it doesn't leave this room. Um, I was fresh into recovery for narcotic pain medicine addiction. Uh, five years into it, when I was deployed to Africa. Um, so I had to find a meeting 
I suddenly went from complete accountability. I, by the way, I know every recovery meeting in Nashville. I've probably been to every NA or AA meeting in Nashville. So all of this is part of our backstory as well and what Trish had to put up with, but it's, it's who we are. Um, I was one urine drug screen from peeing my entire military career down the toilet, literally. So most of what you saw with the brigade flag and all that stuff happened after I was in recovery. So my spiritual experience had everything to do with how do I find my tribe? How do I find my recovery partners? What do I do? Do I walk in? I'm the deputy surgeon, task force, Horn of Africa. I'm going to walk into the general's office and say, I'm your deputy surgeon. By the way, is there an AA meeting on this boat? <laughs> no. But I prayed about it, and I did Zoom meetings, and I got to stay with my, my, my team back, back home and, and, um, until I was able to figure out that, yes, there was an AA meeting at Camp Lamonia, Africa. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk in there at 8 o'clock at night. You know, and there aren't too many colonels on this base, so people know. So I was really nervous about that, but I walked in, and it was a British colonel that I had already worked with on the staff, and he was running the meeting. So God was like, don't worry about this. Um, you know, all the time that I'm gone and doing these things, Trish has always had people to support her. She's had her life, her life group here. Um, raise your hand if you're in her life group. There you go. Two of them are here. I mean, they just... Fantastic. Um, families behind this. Kristen, Jennifer, you know, checking in on her. I remember one time, Kristen told me that she had just came from her job with... Um, daycare and she was on the front porch and Trish wouldn't let her in because of COVID but anyway she checked on her from the front porch <laughs> she had birthday presents where have you been unless you want to strip down right in front of the porch she ain't coming in here <laughs> and I said what are you going to do when I get home I said oh you're stripping down in the garage <laughs> laundry's right there when you come in there's your bathroom <coughs> Remember that was after we got kicked out of the park. Oh yeah. Yeah, Nadine's over there walking <laughs> with her. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that was serious. She almost got arrested for walking. There's a story there. Though. It's a good story. <laughs> Go ahead, tell. You've introduced it. You have. Yeah, you have to finish that story. Nadine and Trish getting arrested for walking in the park. We can embellish this one. Trish, you're the speaker. We were just walking in the, um, what is this, policeman security, I don't know who it was, Metro Police. It was, the day, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was the day that the mayor of Nashville decided to shut down all the parks. So it had been out on the news, but Trish and I had gone walking in the parks because we knew it was healthy to be outdoors. During COVID, you could do that. So we're just walking along, and we see a police car come up, and he says something, but we didn't really hear it. 
So then he gets out his megaphones. <laughs> you must leave the park. <laughs> the mayor has shut down the room. Like, is this for real? <laughs> I heard that story from, from while I was in Africa. Like, yeah, it was funny because Mom, though, this year, I think you did more trips. <laughs> so I thought it was cool. Golly. I went, man. Mom doesn't sit at home. She's like, no, she sits at home now. I don't want to go anywhere. Or I have to get deployed. Gone. It's gone. Get all the sisters, the relatives. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you're working on now here in Africa. What? <laughs> Um, what you're going to do at lunch today? Oh yeah, we got a little veterans group. It's very, um, it's grassroots for sure. We got a little veterans group here. We have a veterans group here at Otter Creek. Did you know that? But we didn't. But we do now. And we're going to meet for lunch and see where it takes us. This uh, to, right after church this today. Um, but uh, yeah. Jim, would you repeat all of this if you had to do over? What? Would you repeat your career, what you've done, if you were starting at the beginning, what would you do differently, or is there anything? Well, I mean, I think about, obviously, the issues with my addiction and recovery. I would probably skip that part. But again, I mean the 12 steps in my sponsor and meetings and everything that's made me a better person so um but no i i mean i my military career started in 1979 i flunked out of the university of south florida because i spent more time on clearwater beach than in class <laughs> my dad rest in peace he died last year while i was i'll tell that story he he died last year august 4th while i was in africa he was undergoing treatments for cancer which Jennifer and I think were kind of wacky, but he was in Iuka, Mississippi, and he was in the ad. We won't go into that, but I didn't think he was going to make it through the next treatment, and I told him so on the phone. I said, I, Dad, if you don't make it, I won't, I don't think I'll make it back home. Do you want me to come back? And he said, no. <laughs> I won't say it. We're in church, but... No, you've got to finish your mission, son. That's where you belong. And it would just make it worse if you were back here. So that's probably the last time I spoke to him. But we had the chance this year, Jennifer and I, to go up and bury him at sea. Because he always wanted to be, his ashes spread at the particular buoy where we grew up in Stamford Harbor in Connecticut. And that's what, that's what we did. But yeah, he's responsible for my military career, you know. I flunked out of the University of South Florida. He said, come back home. Okay. <laughs> Drove me to the Marine Corps recruiter and said, get out of the car. <laughs> 1979. <coughs> the only thing I qualified for, I, the recruiter was like, well, looking at your, you attended college, so you get to be a private first class. But... You flunked out of college. <laughs> so the only thing you qualify for is the infantry. Well, let me look. 
You qualify for the... Yeah, you qualify for the infantry. <laughs> then they asked me if I wanted to be a radioman in the infantry, and I said, well, there's a radio way. 30-some pounds? I was such a lazy slug. This is why I literally <laughs> 30 pounds, and they get shot. So, no, I'll just carry a rifle. It's only about 7 pounds. So. <laughs> I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't stop that either. My time in the Marine Corps and my faith started in the United States Marine Corps at an all-black Church of Christ. The Belfort Road Church of Christ in, in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And again, Trish was at Emory, and her team was predominantly black Americans. So it was interesting. I hadn't even met her, obviously. But it's interesting how these paths converge. You know, with, with those things. And these paths converge where she grew up in very conservative Church of Christ. I was baptized into a very conservative Church of Christ. And, and we're like parallel universe. Is there something more? Is there something different? Are we getting it, you know, all? And then we wind up in Abilene, Texas together, uh, having been married. And then we were at the feet of Lynn Anderson. And then another, when I went to PA school, we were at Max Licato's church. We were at the, um, at the Oak Hills Church of Christ, and that's where Max Licato preached. And if anybody know, I mean, he is very, people don't know this, but he is very dogmatic when it comes to matters of faith and belief, baptism, Anybody that can preach to 300 visitors a week to that church were um, visiting Catholic. They weren't part of the Church of Christ. And he preached baptism to them. Uh, that's another story. But we've had that experience where we're going to be progressive in our thinking, but we have such we're so grounded in our roots. I mean, Trish would say her conservative upbringing was hard at times in little Barrettville, West Virginia. So it felt like there, there had to be more than what I was exposed to. And I was exposed to different progressive thinking in college, high school and college, but I always knew that some things just didn't sound right. <laughs> But we were, we, were, we were both, you know, meant to be. Um, I'm not supposed to tell... No, you said no. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. When we met each other at Sandy Springs Church of Christ, we were in a singles group together, and I'm a bit younger than she is, and she kept trying to fix me up with people my age. <laughs> And they didn't have two brain cells rubbed together. Yeah. You go on one date and you're like, oh, we're married. I'm like, anything else going on up there? I start talking to Trish again after the Bible studies. It's like we, the Bible study after the Bible study. I mean, every time we met on a Monday night, Trish and I would just talk and talk and talk. And I was like, no, you're the one. Um, I remember... I'll tell you this and we'd be done. Uh, I remember at an elder's house that, that was hosting the singles, 
and it's an elder's house, and everybody's leaving, and I left last with Trish because I didn't want to, I wanted to spend all, as much time as possible. So everybody hugs each other, you know, when they leave, and I go down the steps, and the elder's wife's up here, Trish here, and I go down the steps, and then I walk back up the steps, and I kiss her right on the mouth. <laughs> Bang, right on the mouth. <laughs> Boom. Went home. Wrote this really sappy letter. <laughs> and the rest is history. Say, <laughs> like, no more friends. We ain't doing this friend thing. See, when I looked across the church and saw Trish and Jeff Kirby, I knew we had to hear your show. Yeah. <laughs> Thank y'all so much.